Welcome to Leading the Way, a ministry of Brooklyn Baptist Church in Chesney, South Carolina. Join us each week for practical preaching and foundational truth of God's Word. Here's the pastor of Brooklyn Baptist Church, Clay Collins. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today. Our prayers at the song and sermon will be a help and encouragement to you as you listen. Today on the broadcast, we're going to feature a song by a trio out of our church entitled, Worthy is the Risen Lamb. Then we're going to go right to the message, and this message will be from Luke chapter 10, and it's simply entitled, One Thing. It's going to deal with Mary and Martha and how uh, Martha was coming about much serving, but yet Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She uh, realized that one thing that is needful, and so that's what we're preaching on today is that thought of one thing that is needful. So get your Bibles open, Luke chapter 10, hear the song by the ladies trio out of our church, and then God's word preached today on the broadcast. A manger in Bethlehem held Mary's little lamb and the cross on Golgotha held the nails that pierced his hands Satan said I've won I told him the tomb said I'll hold him and death said he's mine forevermore for three But just as dawn was breaking, Satan thought he'd check and see. But the tomb said, I can't find him. Death said I could not bind him. He got up and when he left, he took my
10, Luke chapter 10 and the Word of God. I want to go to the last verses of Luke chapter 10, and I know this is very familiar uh, to many of you. I've preached out this passage before. I promise you I'm not just preaching the same message, but pray you preach a little while and you'll find yourself back to similar passages you preached before, and God shows you even more things and new things out of something you've read before. And I, I'm thankful that the Word of God is alive. It's quick, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, amen. I'm glad I don't serve a dead God, and I'm glad I don't have a dead book, amen. Hallelujah to that, amen. I'm glad for the Word of God. So Luke chapter 10 tonight, Luke chapter 10. Uh, I love Luke chapter 10. Uh, we could honestly preach this whole chapter and uh, wherever you find it, amen, it's good. And I'm thankful for that. Of course, Brother Whittemore preached this morning talking about missions. And Luke chapter 10 verse 2 talks about the harvest that is truly great, amen. And the labors are few in Luke chapter 10. And verse number 2 is Jesus sent out those 70 going into those cities. Jesus was burdened about getting the gospel uh, to people, amen, and we should be as well. And then, of course, you find there uh, and later on down into chapter 10, verse 20, uh, one of my favorite verses, and I'm going to read it just because we're in Luke chapter 10, verse 20 says, Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven, amen. I'm glad I've got something to rejoice about tonight, amen. Hallelujah to Jesus, amen. Say, preacher, what do you got to rejoice about? The fact I'm saved, amen. The fact I've been saved by the grace of God. You say, preacher, why can you rejoice in that? Because it's permanent, amen. There's a lot of things in this life that are not permanent. Amen. Looks fade, money goes away, all the things this life, much, much of it depreciates, things are no longer uh, always what they seem at the time. Listen, all those things are changing, but my salvation's not changing, amen, because it rests upon Jesus Christ, a God that changes not, amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad I got something to rejoice about. Amen. That's the best decision I ever made was when I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. We've got five people here in the service tonight. Well, I don't know about all tonight in the service, but five people in our church have just gotten saved. That's the best decision you've ever made. Amen. That's why you can rejoice in that decision. There's a lot of decisions in my life I can't rejoice in. There's a lot of decisions I've made in my life that honestly, every time I think about them, I want to just bow my head and say, man, that was a mess. But I'm glad I can rejoice in the greatest decision I ever made, and that was getting saved by the grace of God. Amen. You know why else I can rejoice in that? Because I can tell others about Him, and they can enjoy it too, and then they can have something to rejoice about. Amen. I tell you, it's good to be saved. Amen. Going on down in chapter 10, you've got the great story of the Good Samaritan. That lawyer in verse 25 through 29 asked that question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus begins to tell him about the law and that leads into the story of the Good Samaritan which we know is a great story about and great type and picture and illustration of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then chapter 10 ends with a great story of Mary and Martha. Of course, you Bible students are very familiar with Mary and Martha. We know this is Lazarus' two sisters, and Jesus is coming to Bethany to spend a little time in that house there in Bethany that he spent much time with Mary and Martha, those that he loved. Look with me in verse 38, please. The Bible said, And it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered 
about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Can I stop and say, what a dumb question. Amen. We know the Lord cares. But many times we come to Jesus with those questions because we just want God to do it our way. Amen. But look what she even goes on to say. Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. That word bid means tell her or make her help me. Her question was just a matter of getting about to saying what she wanted. Look in verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. I'm glad that he knows our name, amen. But when he calls your name twice, it's pretty, pretty good that you might want to listen, amen. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I want us to go to the Lord in order of prayer, and I want you to pray for me if you would, please. Our Father, which art in heaven, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the good service we enjoyed this morning already, what you've done tonight. I want to praise and bless your name, God, for how good and wonderful you are. I pray that you receive all the glory, all the honor, have the preeminence and everything said and done tonight. Please, I ask you, Lord, to strengthen my voice, Lord, to touch my physical body, liberate me tonight, bring back to remembrance what we have studied. God, I, I have a burden tonight, and I thank you for that. But I pray for boldness and a backbone, and most of all, a burdened heart to preach the truth and love to your people tonight. Lord, open this text to us, I pray. Let us see things that will help us and edify us and mature us in our walk with Christ. Most of all, if there's one tonight that does not know you as Lord and Savior, they don't have that assurance of being free indeed. I pray tonight they would get born again in the family of God. Get it settled tonight and know that they've been born again. I pray your will be done in this invitation, in the preaching of the word of God. Help us tonight. Bless the business meeting that'll follow for a few moments after the service. Thank you for our church family. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done already today. We could leave now knowing we've been to church, but I want to thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen tonight. Looking here in Luke chapter 10, of course, we've already uh, elaborated a little bit upon the fact of Luke chapter 10 and what a great chapter this is. But I tell you, I read over this passage over the last week. I was thinking about this text because of a conversation that I had with someone. And as I read over this text, I couldn't lose sight of these about five words that Jesus said to Martha. I want you to look down with me in verse 42 at this first five words of verse 42. It says, but one thing is needful. I want to preach tonight on that thought of one thing. When I looked at those two words, it just stuck out to me. There's a lot of things in this life. There's a lot of things that can distract us. But many times we're guilty as Christians of not focusing on the one thing that is needful. We get to focus on the negative things. We can get to focus on what we don't like and, you know, what we do like. And this world has a way of distracting us and getting us on all kinds of things. But there is one thing that is needful. I thought about that phrase and those two words, one 
theme. In fact, when I got to looking at those two words, I was reminded of many other scriptures in the Word of God. In fact, as I got to studying, when you look at those two words together, it's mentioned several times across Scripture. I'm not going to give them all to you, but by way of introduction, I'm going to give a few of them to you. In Psalm 27 and verse 4, the psalmist David said this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When I read that, I'm reminded that the psalmist had a desire to be faithful to God. It wasn't just about being in a place, but it was about being around the presence of God. He had a desire to be where God was and to be in fellowship with God. I think about Luke chapter 18 and verse 22 as Jesus was talking to that rich young ruler, and he made this statement. He said, Yet lackest thou one thing. Isn't it sad that many in this world have so much that seems to be in line, but yet they lack one thing? This rich young ruler had riches. This rich young ruler had everything that it seemed like was in place, but yet lackest thou one thing. I'm afraid there are many people that are going to stand before God one day and they could look at their life and when it come to discipline, when it come to organization, when it come to money, when it come to looks, when it come to popularity, when it come to fortune and fame, man, they had it, but yet they liked one thing and that was knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. Yet likest thou one thing. John 9 verse 25, Jesus talking about uh, the man that he healed and that man answered all those that were asking, what happened to you? As he asked that blind man, they were questioning him because they didn't want to admit that it was Jesus who made that blind man to see. They began to question that blind man in John chapter 9 and verse 25 and they're asking him, who done this to you? What happened to you? And he made this statement. Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things you can know in this life. There's a lot of things I don't want to know in this life. There are times as a pastor, people tell me things and I cringe. There are things I've saw in this life that I'm telling you that go with me to my deathbed. But I'm going to tell you this, I'm glad there's one thing I know that supersedes all of those things. And that is that I know that I've been redeemed, amen. That I know that I've been to Calvary. And I know that I'm saved by the grace of God, amen. Then I think about Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Paul is writing and he said this, brethren, he's talking to believers. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended, which means he's saying, I've not arrived. I'm not all that you may think I am. He said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Can I tell you so many times we face valleys, so many times we face defeat, so many times we face discouragement, and yet we forget the one thing that will help us keeping our eyes on Jesus. All through the scripture, it seems to be many times we have so many things just like this uh, plate tonight is full of change. 
There's a lot of coins in here tonight. Probably hundreds of coins if you added them up. Many times our life is full of things. Many times our life is full of problems and difficulties just like this change. But yet many times we focus on all those things and yet not on the one thing. That is what I believe Jesus is trying to get Mary and Martha to see in our text tonight. It's so many times in Scripture we must be reminded, and even as Christians, we must be reminded in our spiritual walk that there is one thing we need to keep our eyes on. And that is what Mary is keeping her eyes on in this passage. And so I want to preach tonight on that thought of one thing. One thing tonight. Number one, and I'm going to be as quick as I can tonight, I want to look at the blessing in this house. The blessing in this house. Look in verse 38 with me. The Bible said, Now it came to pass as they went, talking about Jesus and his disciples, that he, that is Jesus, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. I'm glad the Lord makes no mistake. Notice the word certain is mentioned twice in verse 38. You know why? Because God didn't just go there by coincidence. God didn't get there by chance. You're not here tonight by chance. Your life is not just taking place by chance. I say this at every funeral I preach. I said it Wednesday at Lonnie's funeral. Life is not a series of accidents, but rather a series of appointments. God had an appointment at Mary and Martha's house in verse 38. Just as Jesus had an appointment in John chapter 5, or excuse me, John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, the Bible said that he must needs go through Samaria. God did not go through Samaria just because it was a detour or by coincidence, but he had a certain purpose and a certain person that he was going to see when he went through Samaria, and that was the woman at the well. He had a purpose in that. Mark chapter 5, Jesus finds himself in the area of the Gadarenes there, in the country of the Gadarenes. He didn't go in Mark chapter 5 to that country just by coincidence. He went because there was a maniac that was possessed of the devils that was naked and that was running around cutting himself. A man that was running around terrorizing that city. A man that was full of the devil and all the demons of hell. And a man that was a terror to society. But he came by that way that day and that demon saw him. And that devilish man, that maniac, realized there's someone that can help me. There's one thing I need and it's not anything else this world has got to offer. And that man got to Jesus and he got born again and saved and Jesus changed his life. And the Bible said that they saw him sitting and he was clothed and he was in his right mind. I'm glad Jesus goes to certain places. I'm glad he makes house calls, aren't you? Hallelujah. I'm glad that Holy Ghost conviction is not limited to a church building. I was saved in a car. My brother was saved at home. Some of you were saved at home. Brother Doug, I believe you were saved at the workplace. Amen. Praise the Lord, he saved you at the workplace. 
Others around here could testify about their testimony. I'm glad God is not limited to just a certain building or a certain preacher or a certain teacher or a certain area or movement. But I'm glad God knows where you are and he makes house calls, amen. The blessing in this house, he makes no mistakes. We see the certain place. The Bible said he entered into a certain village. He had a purpose for being there. And the Bible said in a certain woman, this is a certain person he wanted to talk to. I tell you, I'm so thankful that out of all the, Brother Whittemore said this morning, seven something, last I looked, it was about 7.6 billion people. It may have increased over the last year. I don't know. I don't believe COVID eliminated all that they said it did. But I do say this, no doubt our world is filled with probably 7.6 billion people. But I want to say this, out of all those 7 point whatever billion people, April 18th of 1997, God put his finger on me. Aren't you glad for that? I'm not Calvinist. I'm not preaching something weird. But I am saying this. If you ever get a hold of the fact that out of 7.5 billion people, he decided to come by your way and convict your heart and show you you as a sinner lost on your way to hell, I'm telling you something will bubble up inside of you that you won't worry about what the brethren think. You won't worry about what the Baptists think. You'll worry about worshiping him and getting at his feet and giving him the glory in your life. Amen. Out of all the people, listen, he decided to come by Mary and Martha's house. Aren't you glad for that? I tell you, I'm thankful on Sunday when he manifests himself in the house of God. Out of all the churches. and I, Listen, I believe God can manifest himself in more than one place. He's God. He's not limited to one building. But I want to tell you, I'm so thankful that he comes by and he makes house calls. And I'm so thankful he comes by and he meets with us. And I want to call that the night the blessing in the house. Aren't you glad when the Lord Jesus Christ just moves in and does a work? I thank God for what he's done in my heart tonight. I've been helped through the young people singing. I was helped through their song about, I'm glad Satan can't get across that bloodline, amen. I'm telling you something stirred in my heart and reminded me I'm under the blood and there's nothing the devil and all the demons of hell can do about it. I'm telling you tonight, I'm glad that Jesus knows where we are and he knows what we need and he comes by and he'll manifest himself and he'll help you and he'll strengthen you. I'm glad he knows what we need, amen man. Say preacher you think he really knew what Mary and Martha needed? Yes because he made that statement in verse 42 but one thing is needful. He come to let Martha know there's one thing needed in your life and that's me. Not me but Jesus. Amen. I'm glad for the blessing in this house. I want to get in on where God's at. Amen. I do. I want to be where he's at. I want to be in his presence. I want to be where he's moving. I want to be where he's manifesting himself. I want to be in revival. I mean, I want to see what God is doing. Amen. Hallelujah. We see number one tonight, the blessing in the house. Number two, I want us to notice the bitterness in the house though. You would think that with God moving in, like in verse 38, that everybody would be happy. But it's not always that way. That's sad. But it's not always that way. You would think with Jesus being in the house that everybody would be hunky-dory. Everybody would be smiling. Everybody would be just jumping for joy. Everybody would be running around the aisles and rejoicing. But it's not all the time that way. It should be that way. But many times it's not. And I believe our text is going to show us why many times 
when God begins to move in our life and begin to move even in our church while some of us have to sit there silent. And Holy Ghost of God's dealing with us instead of us enjoying the blessings of God. Look with me tonight, number two, the bitterness in the house. The Bible said at the end of verse 38, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. You see, the blessing in the house is Jesus, but the bitterness in the house is Martha. But Martha, verse 40 says, was cumbered about much serving and came to him the blessing of the house. He said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. I want to say tonight, even though that the greatest blessing can be in the house, your heart can be so far from what God's wanting to do. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? Can I say it this way? Martha wasn't happy. Martha was hindered. Instead of Martha being happy and enjoying what Jesus is doing and enjoying his presence, Martha, instead of worrying about getting help, she's hindered. I wrote this in my notes. Listen quickly. Martha was trying to impress Jesus while Mary was impressed with Jesus. Let's think about that. Martha was trying to serve to impress Jesus when Mary wasn't trying to impress Jesus. Mary was impressed with Jesus. I'm not here tonight to impress you because to be honest with you, I may impress you one day, but the next day I won't. Impressions are like this. Impressions are about like most friendships. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. Impressions are about like most people. You may be here one day in your life and they're gone the next. But Martha, she was serving. You can just see Martha. I mean, she's got the apron on with her name across the front of it. Y'all with me? She's got the apron on. I mean, she's got every spatula moving. She's got every pot and pan lined up across the stove. And I mean, she's flapping flapjacks and she's frying eggs. And I mean, she's got it going on. But her heart is so bitter the whole time. Sometimes you see people and they're serving in churches and you can tell why they're doing it. Though they may be doing it, their heart's not in it. Amen. Now I have to be honest tonight, there have been times my heart ain't been in what I'm doing because there was things not right in here. There have been times I've done things out of duty and not devotion. There have been times I've done things because I had to do it, but not because I wanted to do it. And I get to do it. And that is where Martha is. Martha is bitter. Martha is mad. Martha is working. But she's laboring in the flesh and not by faith. Martha was trying to impress Jesus with her clean house. Martha was trying to impress Jesus with her cooking. Martha was trying to impress Jesus with a fancy table. Martha was trying to impress Jesus with all of her hairstyles and all of her makeup and all of her all of the outward impression. But Mary could care less about what the house looked like. Mary could care less about what anybody thought. Mary was just sitting there and I visually see her as she's sitting Indian style and she's sitting at the feet of Jesus soaking in a Every word of what he's got to say. 
See, Martha was trying to impress Jesus, but Mary was impressed with Jesus. Can I say it this way? Martha was trying to amuse Jesus, but Mary was amazed at just Jesus. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people in this thing for amusement. Amen. There's a lot of people that leave church and they never talk about anything God's done in their heart. All they talk about was how high the preacher jumped. All they talk about is how loud the singing was. All they talk about was how good of a performance a singer did. Did the preacher jump on the communion table? Did the preacher jump on the pulpit? Did the preacher get excited and sweat? I mean, it's all about amusement. They've lost sight of the amazement of what Savior they reached down and saved them. Boy, I hope you get a hold of this. Thank you for listening to Leading the Way. We would like to invite you to our services at Brooklyn Baptist Church. Our Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 10.45 a.m., and our evening worship is at 6 p.m. Wednesday night worship is at 7 p.m. The church is located at 8449 Paris Bridge Road in Chesney, South Carolina. If you would like to correspond with us, please do so by writing to this address. If you would like more information about our church or to watch one of our services live, please visit our Facebook page, Brooklyn Baptist of Chesney, or our website, brooklynbaptistchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.